Well, today is Friends Day. How many know that friends can be a great thing? Isn't it wonderful to have somebody that is there beside you? You know, there's two friends back in World War I that when all that broke out, they were, they were tight, they were close, they were buddies, they did everything together. And so they went and they enlisted together. And they went through training together. They ended up being deployed together. They ended up on the battlefield together. And so all just that connection that you can only have with somebody that's the best friend. But in the middle of one of the, one of the heated battles, as, as, one of, as one of the friends was trying to make it from one location to another, they were gunned down and they were laying there among the, the mud and the mess and, and bullets flying everywhere and barbed wire and just all the stuff that was World War I. And, and the friend saw the, the friend laying out there just out by themselves and wounded and, and looked very serious. And, and so he decided, you know what, I'm going to go rescue my friend. And as he, right as he went to climb up out of the trench to go get his friend, the sergeant grabbed him by the back of his coat and yanked him back down there and says, what are you doing? Don't go out there. It's, it's not worth it. He's already dead. He's already gone. If he's not dead now, he's, he's dying. It's too late for him. There's no sense in you going out there and giving up your life as well. So a little bit of the battle's going on, and just when the sergeant was just distracted enough, on up over the side of, of the um, trench and out to where his friend was, he took off. Bullets flying everywhere, the battlefield raging, and after a period of time, he comes dragging his French friend back into the trench with him. But the one that get, went to get his friend was dragging a dead body, and he himself was mortally wounded. The sergeant, angry, kind of, kind of feeling the sense of sacrifice that was made, but still at the same time angry, he said, "What a waste! Your friend is gone. Now you're moments away from death yourself. Why in the world would you do such a thing?" He said, "Oh, it wasn't a waste." He said, "There, I got there just in time for my friend to look at me in the eye and said, I knew you would come.'" And he gave his life for his friend. See, there is something about a friend. One, one of the true marks of a friend is that they are there when there's no reason to be. When there's many reasons not to be, they're there. And they're there even when it means sacrifice on their part. And the great news for every one of us is that we can have that type of friendship. John 15, 15 says this. Jesus was talking. He made this statement. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. Think about that. That's incredible news. That's something that ought to create some excitement in us. Because sometimes people don't understand that we truly can have a friend in Jesus. Oh, we might could sing a, a newer song or even some of the older songs that make reference to that fact. But the truth is, it is still a fact. We can have a true, close friend relationship with Jesus Christ. It is possible. 
Now, I know that sometimes maybe people are skeptics, like, well, well, he's God, and he's Lord, and he's, he's, he's seated at the right hand of the Father, and how can I have a personal relationship with that? And I run across people often that as I have conversations with, you can kind of tell suddenly sometimes I can be talking to somebody and they can be asking me some questions and I can tell them a little bit of my story and surely, you know, somewhere in the course of that conversation, something's going to come up and I will make the statement that God told me or Jesus said into my own personal life. And every now and then I'll see that person that they're trying to mask it, but you can almost see the subtle eye roll like, oh yeah, God talks to you. But the truth is, is what it is, is they don't understand. You can see the, yeah, right, look on their face. But you see, they don't understand the depths of relationship that are available if we would just open our hearts to him. If we would just allow and begin to cultivate that relationship. If we just spend the right quality time in prayer and develop that, we can truly have a very close, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. It is possible. You know, and I begin to think about it. Maybe perhaps sometimes it's because of the way our, our home life was or the way we were raised or circumstances we faced. I can see where maybe some people would think, well, I just don't really see that as possible because you may have grown up in a family where Jesus and, and things of God were just not thought of at all. It wasn't taught. It wasn't mentioned about. You were raised up in a complete vacuum of that kind of thinking. Or maybe you were raised in a home where it was an afterthought. Maybe you were raised in a home where there was a very strict religious practice, but it was more based on ritual and following certain things as it was a relationship. Or maybe you were raised in a home where a relationship with Jesus was lived out before you. But the question is, was prayer even a part of your life? Was it something that was rehearsed? Or was it something that was a heartfelt part of everyday life? Maybe you grew up and there was prayer in your life. Every meal... God is great. God is good. Let us thank you for our food. Amen. Amen. And then when you went to bed at night, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And that was kind of the extent of your prayer life. As I began to think about that, I thought, you know what that, you know what that kind of teaches us? Okay, I, I, I pray over my food every time we sit down to eat. Is there something wrong with mom's cooking? Why is it we pray over the food and not really much anything else? Huh. Now I lay me down to sleep. So I pray over the food, then I pray before I go to bed. There really are monsters under the bed. (laughs) Why don't we pray over dad's driving? Why don't we pray before I go to school? There's bullies there, you know. See, there's so many other things in life that we should pray for. You know, what about the times we really, really need a friend? I mean times when God is great and God is good, although a true statement is not enough. Times when now I lay me down to sleep, just don't quite cut it. Times where I need a true friend. And it'd be great if that true friend had superpowers. Oh, 
Proverbs 18.24. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And that's a reference to Christ. See, scripturally, there's, if you look at, if you read scripture and you walk through it through the lens of a friendship, there is evidence everywhere that Jesus intends to be your friend and my friend. So let's talk about that. You know, we live in an interesting time when it comes to friends. Yeah, I, I, never before in the history of man have, have things been so transparent and so out there for everybody to see. And, and, and we can instantly know somebody maybe we haven't seen in years that lives across the country. We can know instantly when, when they change their status on their relationship. When there's a status change. When a friend request is sent and accepted. When somebody's relationship is changed. But friend requests can be a funny thing. You know, I remember, I know sometimes I, I tell stories that kind of shows my age. You know, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I, I look around and sometimes like, you know, when did I get on the older side? You know, I used to be able to go to ministers' meeting, and they were talking about we want all the younger ministers to stand because we want them. We want to pray over them, and and that meant thirty and under. And I remember it didn't seem like all that long ago I was one of the ones that stand. Now I'm one of the ones that has to sit and watch the others stand up. But when I was a kid, we didn't have the phones and all that, and so if we wanted to know something about the status of a friendship, we would write little notes. Will you be my friend? Yes, no. Circle one. And you get the note back. Yes or no. That was okay. But then there was the other notes that, that you know, will you be my girlfriend? Sometimes it's heartbreak when the nose circled, right? But now all that's handled online. We send friend requests. But the interesting thing about the friend requests we get now is that we lay it out there electronically, and it's like it's laid out there, but we don't really know. We know when they say yes, but we don't know if they're really saying no, if they're busy and just didn't see it, or if they just press the ignore button. We don't know. There's something about, what about a friendship that just seems so out there and so unlikely that it would never even seem to be possible? A little over, probably about two years ago, I ran across, I was, had a little downtime and I was kind of playing with Facebook a little bit and I, I ran across a Facebook page that was, that was kind of one of my music heroes, and, and if you're into music, you'll probably know who it is, but the, a guy by the name of Kerry Livgren, he was part of the group Kansas that I listened to when I was growing up. He was the one that wrote the song Dust in the Wind and Carry On Wayward Son. And, and so if, if you, yes, I am old. Yeah, and if, <laughs> but, if you, but if you look 
at his story, I knew enough of his story to know that literally he, he made this statement that when he wrote Dust in the Wind, that he was beginning to search for real meaning in life. And he ended up being saved and, and became a very strong Christian and, and has released several um, Christian albums and things through the years and still very involved in church and outreach and everything. And so I ran across his Facebook page and I always kind of followed him in a distance. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to send a friend request. Just see what happens. It was so cool to me when he accepted an unlikely friendship. Now, we're not best friends or anything. I realized that he probably could pass me in a hallway somewhere, and I would know who he is, but he would have no clue who I am. But yet at the same time, there's been times that he has shared prayer requests over stuff going on with his wife and stuff. There are, there's insights I have now that are very unlikely, something that I wouldn't dream of. And I, what, the point I'm making here is we can think and we can look at and maybe believe that somehow a friendship or less relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is something that is out there, that is unlikely, that's impossible. But I'm here today to tell you that is not the case. He desires that friendship. He wants that for us. What did he say? I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. That presence we felt during worship was just a testimony of the fact through the power of the Holy Spirit that he so longs to be friends with us. I don't think it's any mistake that we declare a friend's day, that we're talking about what we're talking about today. And if you notice from the very first note of worship, there was a presence in the house. It's because he wants that intimate relationship with us. And we can have a relationship. We can have a relationship much deeper than just knowing Jesus exists. We can have one that's much deeper than just being a servant. We can know him as a friend. And so what I want you to grab hold of today is this thought. Jesus has sent your friend request, and he's waiting on your response. Accept or decline. That's where we're at. He paid the price. The work has been done. The ball is in our court. But let me just tell you just a little bit of what would happen if we accept that request that he has sent. You get a status change. You get to move yourself from lost to found. You get to move yourself from slave to freedom. You get to move yourself from servant to friend. I mean, there is something about I cannot tell you. Oh, yes, I face stuff in life just like you do. I face times of uncertainty just like you do. There are nights that I have trouble sleeping just like you do. But you know what the great thing is? Is I know through the whole time that I've got a friend that walks with me, a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And then he promised he would never leave me. He would never forsake me. He promises that my steps are ordered of him. And that if as long as I follow him, as long as I keep him first, as long as I maintain that genuine relationship, I will end up where I'm supposed to be. And I will win in the end. 
Because Jesus is a friend. Now, there's no doubt who's in charge. But that doesn't negate the fact that he's still my friend. Oh, if you could hear some of the conversations that we have. Yes, he does talk back. And no, I'm not crazy. Now, if I'm in the middle of my kitchen, I promise you it's not this voice like you see on TV, David. (laughs) Put down the dishes you are doing for Kim and let me speak to you. He could, but that's not the way it works. Yeah, it usually works for me. There's just a sweet, oh, there's just a sweet, loving presence that just comes into my heart. And it's not words, but all of a sudden I know something I didn't know before. I describe it as somehow I just know in my knower what he's saying. And that voice is the voice I have followed for years and years and years. It it has never pointed me in the wrong direction. It comes through again and again and again. I'm telling you guys, I'm feeling this this morning. John 10, verse 26 and 27 says, But you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I'm telling you, that is the voice we have followed for years. That is the voice that led us to step away from a church in a position that we were very, very comfortable to step into pastoring a church that was struggling, that led us here. And and this month marks seven years that we've been in this building. There's a few people that know this story, and I'm not going to get into details, but we put in to become pastor of the church. There were two leading candidates, and I was the second choice. And I'll never forget talking to friends and Kim and I talking to each other. It's like we know what we felt. We know the voice that we heard. We know that this is for us. And now all of a sudden we get news that we're not the ones. But we stood on that. Heard that on the weekend. That Monday we get a call that the other person said, we're not supposed to be there. The other guy is. They step back. The voice that I heard was correct. More recently, on a personal note, a lot of you know that we're selling our house, and it's under contract, and we've been looking, and we we finally found the house, and we walked in, and we said, this is it. This is the one. And so we wrote the little earnest money check, 
handed it to the lady for the, there was a, there was the representative of the home builder. And, and we're like, done. God, you're so good. Get a call as we're driving away. Oh, somebody beat you guys to it and put, put a check down first. You're not getting that one. And we look at you like, we know what we felt. We know we were standing in that home. This is the one. This is it. <laughs> and we went back and looked at another one and said, ah, oh, that would work, but that's not the home we were standing in. So we went back by and just happened to walk back in that house and we prayed over that house. We claimed that house. We said, Lord, we know what we felt when we were standing here. And so that, that next, that was over the weekend, that next Monday, I'm taking Kim, the doctor. We're, we're coming back from doctor's office. We're headed down I-30. And we're kind of stuck in the traffic trying to get back across the bridge, if you know what I mean. <laughs> and the phone rings and it's our real estate agents, April and Terry Ivy. A lot of you guys know because they tend here periodically and I could tell they were excited. But they started the sentence with these words, that home that we all believe was one we all claim, it's gone. But you're not going to believe what God did. We found out that there was a home just a few doors down that was further along in the building process that even had upgrades from the one that we were standing in, but it was the same identical floor plan down to every detail. And they said they were the, the people that were buying it were getting ready to come in and do their final walkthrough inspection, and things fell through on the other end. And they said it's open and available. It hasn't even be, been relisted yet. Do you guys want to come look at it? Yes, we do. And what we've said is, you know what? The voice that we heard was right. That was the house. It was just on a different lot. (laughs) He does. He does. You can know that voice. Years ago, we did an illustration with some kids to show that. We had a small auditorium full of kids and we're talking about this very passage of knowing his voice and we held up two candy bars and we said we're going to pick two people and if you can follow the right voice you can earn the candy bar so we took two kids and we put them in the back of the room holding the candy bars But the ones holding the candy bars had to be best friends of the ones that we were blindfolding. That had to make their way through the crowd and all the chaos of other kids back to where to get the candy bars. But they didn't know where in the room they were. We moved them around. And we told them, they said, what you have to do is everybody's going to be talking, everybody's going to be making noise, but you have to pick the voice of your best friend out of the crowd. You know what? Every time we've done that, the person always makes it to the candy bar because they know the sound of that voice. See, you can know that voice. 
He's real. And when you have a true best friend, it's the greatest. The person that knows you better than anyone. The person, and that person is the son, the son of God. And, you know, the great thing is, is that you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to keep any secrets from him. From him. He, always, he already knows them all anyway. So you can truly be yourself in that relationship. He knows your secrets. He knows your dreams. He knows your faults. And he loves you anyway. And he's a lot of things to us. He's our Lord. And he's our King. And he's our Savior. But he also is our very best friend. Matter of fact, I've been doing this for years. When I lead somebody to Christ and we pray that prayer, that's the way that I end it. From this moment on, I want you to declare out loud that he is your Lord, he is your Savior, and he is your very best friend. Because it's meant to be a relationship. So let's look at this. He's supposed to be a proven friend. He's never MIA. He's the friend that will always be there. And here's the best part. Not just on Sundays. He can walk with you every single day. There is something about living life and walking life that I know that I've got that friend beside me that sticks closer than a brother. That I can talk. I mean, there is conversation going on all day long. Now, I know it's not weird. It's not goofy. I'm not running around mumbling to myself all the time. But as I go through life, as things come on, I mean, prayer is just a normal thing that happens in my life. Lord, you see what I'm facing here. I need direction. Lord, you need, and if you walk you through your life like that, I'm telling you, there's a relationship that is available. John 15, 13 and 14 says, Greater love has no one than this, than someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Boy, talk about the most incredible offer and the most incredible contract available. Jesus laid down his life for us in a very gruesome way. He sacrificed his deity on the cross to pay for our sins. In that moment, he became just as human as you and I. He bore the sin of everything we had all done and would do upon himself. So much so that the scripture says even God looked away from the scene. It's when he cried, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that moment is the only time in his existence he had ever known God's presence, not being looking upon him and active in his life. Oh, we may have friends that, that will sit their life aside and will be there even when it's inconvenient. But there is something about a friend who is willing to lay down their life. They will be there. They will pay the ultimate sacrifice. And we, we are Jesus' friend when we deny our will to do his. We are Jesus' friend when we live for him. We don't like the word obey, but it's still part of what he desires. 
What did he say? You are my friends if you do what I command. But here's the best part of it. His commands are for our best interest anyway. So many times we, we want to look at the things that, that he lays out there and think, well, he just don't want to keep me from having fun. Remember when you were a kid and you thought that about your parents? All the rules are in place just to keep me from having fun. And then you become a parent and it reverses. All of a sudden you become the one saying, don't touch that. And you realize that the rules are for their protection. The rules are so that their life turns out to be the best it can be. That's all he's doing for us. His rules, the things that he, that he gives us in his word and the commands that he gives us, they're for our benefit, not his. And he desires the very best for us. Maybe you sit here today and you say, you know what? I just don't believe that Jesus has friends like that. Really? What about Abraham? What about Moses? What about during the time that he walked this earth? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So I want us to look for a moment at one of his friendship stories when he walked this earth. And I want you to grasp what this means here. You know, if you remember when Jesus walked this earth, there was a point in time that he was with his disciples and and they were away from Jerusalem and the thought of going back to Jerusalem was getting a little little iffy and then Jesus gets word that his friend Lazarus is sick. So you remember, he was pretty tight with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. They were those that he, that he spent a lot of time with and he cared for. And so he gets word that Lazarus is sick. But he delays. Then word comes that Lazarus has died. And he makes the trip. And when he gets there, let's look at, let's look at John chapter 11, verse 32. So Jesus shows up on the scene. Lazarus is already dead. And it says, Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Let that moment sink in for a bit. The idea that, that his friend was sick and dying and, and he didn't get there until after he was dead. And you can imagine the, the pain that Mary and Martha, the sisters, are feeling and, and what they're carrying with them. And they're just thinking, you know, man, we've, this Jesus is supposed to be our, very, our best friend. Why, why did this thing happen in our life? Lord, if only you'd been here, he wouldn't be dead. There's a discussion that takes place, and, and Jesus talks, and, 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 and the comment is made back by Martha. Well, Lord, Lord, I know, I know that he'll be brought back at the resurrection of the dead, but he's dead now. But Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And we see this story. We see that as they're walking, they're walking, take me to the place where they've laid him. And they're walking towards the tomb. And he's walking with them, and he's seeing all the, the, the carrying on and the, and the weeping and the emotion and the distraught that comes with that kind of circumstance. 
And then we get to verse 1135, chapter 11, verse 35. Two simple words. Jesus wept. Now, when I was growing up in children's church and and we were challenged to memorize scriptures, that was one that was at the top of the list. It was simple. Jesus wept. And it, and, but it's so simple, but there is so much in what is said there. Jesus wasn't crying for his sake. Jesus knew what he was going to do. He was headed to the tomb to say, Lazarus, come forth. You know why he cried? Because of the pain his friends were facing in that moment. So don't tell me Jesus isn't a friend when he is moved by the difficulty that those that he cares for are carrying. And so when you walk through this life and you face difficulties and there are things that are weighing you down, I want you to understand he does care. There may be a reason that you're going through something that you're going through, but he has not left you. He has not forsaken you. And he has a plan. He has a purpose. And he has a way. And he is. when you cry, he cries with you. When you laugh, he laughs with you. He cares about what we face. What I love about that story is the tears didn't last long. He told him to roll away the stone. He said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus came walking out of the tomb alive. I've heard it said before, and I I kind of believe this to be true. He had to call Lazarus by name because if he'd have said, come forth, everybody would have got up. (laughs) Because that's who we serve. But remember this. Jesus has sent your friend request, and he's waiting your response. Accept or decline. So I wrap this up this morning. The last thought is this. Circle of friends. You know what? We get the benefit of having Jesus as our best friend, but we also get a circle of friends. We get those that, you know, when we become friends with Jesus, that means that that his friends become our friends. I want you to look around you. This can be your circle of friends. There's a power in that. We all need a best friend, but we also need a close circle of friends. When Jesus started this whole passage that we're looking at today, he opened it up with this thought in John 15, 12. He said, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. I mean, that's what he said before he even got into it. I no longer call you servants, I call you friends. So what we're talking about here is we can walk through life with not just that that relationship with Jesus, but that relationship with one another. That walking and doing life together. We can do life with him, and we can do life shoulder to shoulder with one another.
He started with that and he ended with this whole section in verse 17 with these things I command you so that you will love one another. See, our friend in Jesus is the common glue that binds us all together. I've often wondered, because I've become so accustomed to leaning on Jesus. I've become so accustomed to having a church family that I can lean on to reach out that's there for one another, that I've often wondered, how do people do life without those things? How do you do life thinking that it's all on us, that we got to carry the whole load? You may be that strong, I'm not. And the truth is, you're not either. But we can have that friend that sticks closer than a brother. And that's a relationship we can have. But we can also have the relationship of the family. It is is referred to, we are referred to as the body of Christ for a reason. Because when one part of the body hurts, the rest of the body hurts. You wake up, you don't believe me, wake up with your back out of whack. You can't just say, well, you know what, I'm just going to avoid that part of my body for today. Don't work that way. Don't work that way. We're the body of Christ. And we're not intended just to have a best friend, but we're intended to have a body of best friends. To care for one another. To lift one another up. To walk through this life together. When somebody stumbles, when somebody falls, when somebody messes up, one of the complaints I have about the church at times, not not this church because we worked hard to make sure we're not like that, but so many times we're the worst at kicking our own wounded. When somebody falls, picking them apart instead of coming along beside them and saying, you know what, I know you stumbled here. I know you messed up. But come on, let me help you get back up on your feet. We're going to walk through this thing together. We're going to get you restored. We're going to get you put in the right place. Just because you stumbled and you fell, our love for you never quit. That's what we're supposed to be. So my question in closing this morning, if we could get some Music in the background is very simply this. <clears throat> Who is your best friend? Who's in your inner circle of friends? What about becoming a friend of Jesus if you're not? Best decision you'll ever make. See, that's the beauty of it. It doesn't mean that we're no longer servants. What it means is we're not just his servants. We're a friend. And he wants to be our friend. He wants to share his heart with us. He wants us to have that intimacy. He wants to share his his infinite wisdom with us. I don't know about you, but there's times in my life I walk into a circumstance and I find out I'm a little, I'm a little, my my wisdom supply for that day is a little shortchanged. That's okay. 
because I don't have to do this through my wisdom alone. And we have those times that, that it's, it's wonderful because of its intimacy. It's a personal relationship, and it's not just a master-servant relationship. Jesus wants us to know him. He wants to reveal more and more of himself to us on a daily basis. If you notice, even when Peter stumbled, even when Peter denied him three times, you notice how Jesus went out of his way to restore him and to pull him aside and have that one-on-one time. You denied me three times. I'm going to give an opportunity to declare your loyalty three times. And then he tells him, you're the rock. I'm going to build my church on this. But here's the question that's left. So I don't know about you. I need that friend that sticks closer than a brother. I don't want to face life without him. I understand what David said in Psalms 51 when he made this statement, Lord, do not take your Holy Spirit from me. I don't want to face life without him. Maybe you're here and you have. Maybe you're here and you've tried to walk this through this life. You've tried to carry your circumstances. You've tried to do things on your own. And, and you feel like, you know, well, I just, I, I just got to stand up and be more of a man and more of a woman. I have to be tough and face this stuff. And so, yes, there are times we have to walk the things. There's times we do have to bow at our chest and keep going. But I'm telling you, you don't have to face this life alone. You can have a best friend. And Jesus has sent your friend request. If you're here this morning, one more time, he's making this statement. I want that type of relationship with you. And this that you're feeling in your heart and in your spirit, it is him trying to say, yes, yes. (coughs) That's what I desire for you. And he's waiting for your response. And the question is, simply will you accept or will you decline? Will you walk out the door today with a new best friend or will you walk out the same way you walked in? That's the decision today. I'm not saying that with any meanness. I'm just saying that because you matter. And the price has been paid. It's all there. All you have to do is say, I accept. So I'm going to ask everybody just to bow your heads for just a moment. My goal today is not to single anybody out or creating kind of embarrassing situation. But if you're here this morning, you say, you know, what you're talking about today is exactly what I need. I, I need that friend relationship. What you're talking about sounds good. Could that really be for me? The answer is yes. It can. For God so loved the world. He didn't die for the planet. He died for the people. 
and it's available to you. Maybe you say, you know what, I I did that years ago, but somewhere along the, the, the way in this life, the living things, I've, I've allowed myself to drift away. I've allowed myself to step back. And, and, and I used to know what it was like to have him as a friend. And now I feel like that he's just out there and I don't have that relationship anymore. That's you. That can be restored today. Somebody asked today, nobody looking around, if there's anybody here that you fall in one of those two categories, you have it, but you want Jesus as your friend, you want to set that right today, or somehow or other you drifted back, you say, I want to restore that relationship. Would you raise your hand right where you're at? Just raise your hand. Raise your hand. That's you. Anybody at all? Raise your hand. Not seeing any hands. I pray that that means that everybody here is there. There's a hand. Amen. 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 Anybody else? Anybody else? Now's the chance truly surrender. I can tell you that your life will never be the same. We'll lead you in a prayer. Like I said, I don't want to single anybody out this morning. So if you would, just all pray this prayer with me, and especially if you raised your hand, pray it and mean it in your heart, and God will transform you. Lord Jesus, I come before you today. I acknowledge that I need your friendship, that I can't face life alone. The things I've tried to lean on have let me down again and again. And Lord, I know that my sin is what separates me from you. So today, I admit that I'm a sinner. But Lord, I confess that you are Lord and you are Savior and you paid the price. So Lord, I ask you to come into my life, take away all my sin, wash me clean, fresh and new. And from this moment on, I declare you as my Lord my Savior, and my very best friend. In Jesus' name, amen.